I currently work at a restaurant somewhere in the Midwest. Now, obviously, I can't say what restaurant, but it's on a pretty busy road with lots of cars and lots of people walking on the road to get to the bus stop or whatever their destination may be. It's got its own parking lot where I would usually park closer to the doors. But the story I'm about to tell is the one time I didn't. That night, I sincerely regret my actions. To give some backstory, a couple of years ago, I just so happened to work at the sports bar and grill directly across the parking lot from my current job. I worked there for about four months, and while I worked at my previous job, I did not have a car, so I either walked to and from work or got a ride. Now mind you, I would walk home at around 10 some nights on a barely lit road when cars weren't always around. This naturally made me weary, and this was on top of the fact that older men would constantly hit on me as a minor and make me feel watched. The backstory of my old job might not seem important now, and I didn't think it would ever become relevant again, but it matters in the end, I promise. While working at my old job, I was a minor, as previously stated, but that never stopped drunk men from approaching me and being inappropriate. One man in particular, I never forgot about, came back to haunt me in the worst way. The man was taller, quite good looking, and always wore expensive looking clothing and accessories. He had a very elegant vibe to him, which is why I did not think much of him when he would talk to me while I was working. He started out very polite. He'd ask about how work was going, how my day was, you know, stuff like that. But as the weeks went on, he would ask more and more personal questions, which started making me suspicious of him. The event that occurred right before I quit was a night I wish I could forget when thinking back on my days at that sports bar. I remember it being a long night, probably because it was sports season and a restaurant would get very busy, and as a hostess, it was stressful trying to take calls when there was shouting because the hockey team won a golden cup or whatnot. That night, after I had finished cleaning the bathrooms, I remember him being at the hostess stand, waiting for me. I approached him and tried to make polite conversation, but I could tell immediately that he was acting strange. His gaze was shifty, and he didn't look as put together as he usually did. The first thing he said to me was something along the lines of, You're only 16, right? To which I confirmed, and he continued with something like, Well, when you're 18, I'll have something for you. It'll be a surprise. Just wait till you're 18. And he promptly left the bar section of the grill. I stood shocked for a moment 
before composing myself and finished my cleaning so I could get the hell out of there. After I finished counting my drawer down, I went out back and unlocked a bike that I had gotten about a month or so after I started working there, and I began to ride home. Note that I was paranoid as hell as I was doing this because seriously, who the fuck says that to an underage girl? I watched my back all night as I rode home and felt watched the entire time. It was kind of my fault he knew my age. I had told him a long time ago as I mentioned something about my birthday plans. But his comment on my age made me feel sick to my stomach regardless. Now let's jump to more recently when I started my new job just across the parking lot. It's been years since I worked there, and I just about let go of the memories of working at that godforsaking sports bar. But something happened recently that made the memories feel like yesterday. The stimulus checks and the pleasant weather have brought a surge of customers to my current restaurant. I've worked here for almost a year now, and we've been busier in the past month than we've ever been since I first started. And this means that occasionally, I don't get to park right by the doors, and I must park a bit further away. On this particular day, that still makes me feel nervous thinking about. I had to park basically at the farthest corner of our lot due to many staff and customers taking the closer spots. That day, I thought nothing of it as I went in for my closing shift and worked a long and stressful shift until about 10 p.m. I worked at the front of the restaurant and our closing duties can be pretty grueling. That night was dreadful because I was the only one up front besides the manager who has to go back and forth between the kitchen and the front to help. I finished all my cleaning, albeit a bit later than usual, and felt terrible for taking so long. But they weren't too upset because a co-worker was waiting on a ride, so they had to wait anyways. So, with that said... I say my goodbyes to the two of them and head out back doors to my car. I immediately was irritated that I had to walk so far to get to my car, and I started digging for my keys. I didn't realize that there was a third car in our parking lot until it was almost too late. I finally grabbed my keys after a moment of struggling to find them, and realized that the third car is in fact not my manager, and it was parked right next to mine, although it did look similar, which is why I didn't think much of it at first, being exhausted from work. Upon getting closer, I realized a person inside, so I remembered thinking, is my co-workers right here? No one came out to go home, so I assumed not. I looked back closer to the restaurant and realized that in front of the building, where I couldn't see before as I left out the back, my manager's car was sitting empty right up front. All of these thoughts were piecing together as I slowly trailed to my car. And after connecting the dots, 
I tried to see who was in the car waiting for me. I remember squinting at them. I didn't have my glasses on, but that's probably what made them realize I noticed them. And with that, they turned on their car. I immediately looked away because the car lights were too bright. And when I tried to look back again, the cabin light was turned on. I stopped dead in my tracks as if paralyzed. Just telling this is starting to make my eyes tear up for some reason. But the expression that this man was wearing invoked so much fear that I think my heart literally skipped a beat. The man's features were a bit blurry from the distance and the darkness, but I could tell he knew me from somewhere with that little overhead light illuminating his face. The lack of facial expression made me scared shitless because I figured he would smile, frown, wave, anything. Instead, he sat there, arms at his sides, as he waited for me to come closer. As a young woman, I should know better than to ignore my instincts, telling me to get the hell out of his situation. But I almost felt compelled to continue walking towards my car for a split second. I can't explain why, but I distinctively recall taking one step forward before pausing and asking myself, what the hell am I doing? And then hightailing it back to the back door. I felt like I was prey, about to be eaten, the way that I sensed his overwhelming presence behind me. The whole time I debated going back and then running to safety, he just sat right in his seat and didn't move an inch, or so I assume, as I did not look back until I reached the door. Once I reached the door, I glanced back at his car for a split second before dashing inside. And all I remember seeing was his cabin light had turned off and I could only see a dark figure. The menacing light no longer illuminated his face. I did not need to see his face to know he was still staring. I could feel his beady eyes staring right at me. After scaring the hell out of my coworkers by yanking open the back door, as I did, I explained what happened. They both immediately got serious and told me to wait with them while they waited for my other workers' ride. We sat for a few more minutes, and they talked about how freaky the situation was, and how they'd call the cops if he was still out there when we went outside together. And I sat in silence. I was silent because in the few minutes after their encounter with the strange man, I knew I recognized him from somewhere. He was that same guy who had told me to wait for him when I turned 18. It took me a while because he didn't look like how he used to. He looked much more bedraggled, a bit older, and much much scarier. I don't know if he saw me that day as I brought out the trash or maybe when I walked into work, 
but he knew I was there somehow, and that scared the shit out of me. When their ride finally arrived, we all walked out together, and my eyes instantly shot out to the area where I knew his car was parked. It was just my car though, waiting for me to climb inside and get home ASAP. The manager saw my coworker off into their parents' car and walked me to mine. She helped me check under my car and inside as she had dealt with a stalker before and knew all of the tricks to stay safe. I thanked her profusely and got in, locking my doors right away. I watched as she walked to her car and started to leave the lot. I looked frantically to see if I could spot his car anywhere in the shopping area connected with our parking lots, but found nothing. I lived close by my work, so I took a long way home that night, fearing that he was waiting for me to go home to do something sinister. I didn't sleep well that night. I kept thinking that he was in the darkest corner of my room with that hollow expression on his face. I considered making a police report, but seeing as the police tend to be useless in scenarios like this, and the fact that I only had a first name, which could have been fake, I decided against it. In the weeks since then, I haven't seen him or heard from him but I still think about him every time I leave the building, half expecting him to be either standing outside ready to snatch me or parked right next to my car. I always leave with co-workers now, as my parents insisted that I begin doing so after I told them about what happened. To this day, I still wonder why he remembered that I was 18 because I had almost completely forgotten about him. I hope that I never do find out what surprise he had waiting for me. All in all, I most definitely think I've earned the right to say this much. Creepy man, whose name was apparently Michael. Let's not meet. My girlfriend and I wake up at the same time and call each other over Snapchat's video call service every morning. We both take virtual classes, so it's a fun way to start our mornings. This morning, shortly after we had both waken up, she fell back asleep. I placed my phone on the desk and then left to make some coffee and breakfast. When I returned, she had hung up the call and had sent me multiple messages with sad faces in my name. I noticed that she tried to call me numerous times with the video feature turned off. I called her back with my video on, and she was crying and asked me what I was doing. I explained to her that I went to make breakfast, and she asked me if I had came back at any time, to which I told her I hadn't. When I told her this, she began crying harder. I was very confused. 
I did my best to console her while trying to understand what was making her upset. She made me promise multiple times that I had not come into the room while I was making breakfast. And I told her I hadn't. She began explaining to me that she saw me standing in the room. She saw me facing the phone a couple of feet away, staring into the camera. She was confused for a few seconds, but she told me that she knew something was wrong after a while. She told me that my eyes were unnaturally wide and unblinking. She thought the camera had frozen, but she said she could see my body moving slightly and my arms swaying. She was profoundly disturbed and hung up after about 30 seconds. I was very taken aback by this. I've had absolutely no paranormal experiences in this house. I've lived here for more than six years, and the only thing I can think of that might have incited some type of paranormal activity would be something that happened on my property decades ago. My property used to have an attached barn, and one of the previous owners hung himself in that barn. As I said, I've never experienced anything paranormal in this house. I've considered the possibility that she may have just had a nightmare, but she seems confident that she was wide awake. I'm not sure what to make of this, and I don't feel uncomfortable sitting in the room she saw the dark copy of me in. It feels just how it did before. If anybody could shine some light on what just happened or provide a possible explanation, I would greatly appreciate it. Yesterday, my fiance and I went deep into the Buck Hill State Forest. It was a rainy day and I wanted to show her a secluded spot where friends and I went shooting a few times last summer. Figured nobody would be there due to the weather conditions and the rough road. Sure enough, we didn't see a soul on or near the path. Seemed like we had the forest to ourselves. We drove up through the forest with ease and had fun splashing through the muddy, rocky, dirt road. When we made it to the shooting spot, we stepped out and enjoyed the surroundings and the clearing. As we went to turn the truck around and head out, I misjudged a puddle and we got stuck. For some reason, my four-wheel drive failed to engage, so we gathered down logs and branches to place under our tires for traction. No luck. We only dug the truck deeper and it started to rain harder and get darker. So I decided to call the towing companies around Boonville and Westernville. My phone was breaking up and about four companies told us that they couldn't make it into the forest in those conditions. One guy said he was two hours away in a tow truck and if we were still stuck in two hours, we could give him a call and he would try to come in with a smaller truck. 
so we kept trying to get our truck out for about a half an hour, digging out the mud with my shovel, checking the wiring under the dash, and trying to re-engage my four-wheel drive. We gathered more downed logs, all to no avail. As I stepped out of my truck and contemplated hiking back down the four-mile trail in the rain with my fiancé, a Silverado 2500 emerged through the trees out of nowhere. The whole time we were out there, I'd been keenly aware of the pitter-patter of the rain, branches, and twigs snapping, and the swaying of the half-dead trees above us. I wanted to be sure that I'd notice a bear before it was within feet of us. I would have surely noticed the sound of a two-ton pickup making its way down the path. The truck was off, and we were just standing in the rain. When I was there shooting with friends, we heard trucks on nearby paths, well before we saw them, even with gunshots ringing. It was like the truck appeared out of thin air. I walked toward the truck and asked, Are you from the towing company? A man and woman were in the front seats, and the guy shook his head and said, No, but I'll pull you out for some cash. It was so odd, and such a coincidence that they had shown up at that moment. I noticed a child's voice coming from the back seat, but I couldn't quite see. I gave the guy some money, and he grabbed a chain and latched it to my back left axle. As he walked past me, he seemed off. His nose was flat and a bit crooked, and his eyes seemed offset to the sides of his head. The woman seemed normal. Both of them were probably in their early thirties. I tried conversating with him. So, are you here to shoot in this weather? No response. Man, thanks so much. You showed up at the perfect time. No answer. Just gave me a crooked smile. He got in his driver's seat. I got in mine. Put it in reverse. And he pulled me out with ease. As I stepped out of the truck, I noticed that they were both still in his vehicle. So I wanted to grab his chain off my axle to save him from getting all muddy. As I turned away from his truck and laid down to unhook his chain, I was saying, I'll probably be fine now. I'll just back up this road and turn around at the fork. Thanks a lot. Still with my back turned to him, I heard him say, It's okay. I'll make sure you get out. It sounded odd to me. My fiance and I have no recollection of me handing him back his chain, or him getting out of his driver's seat to grab the chain. It's like a fraction of time was missing immediately after I unhooked the chain from my truck. We just remember time fast forwarding to me backing the truck out while watching his truck back out in my rear view mirror ahead of me. Time fast forwarded or warped. As his truck turned around at the fork, and we turned as well, our vehicles parallel now. My fiance and I rolled the window down 
and waved to say a final thank you to him. We noticed that somehow the woman was now in the front driver's side, driving the truck waving back at us. At no point did we see them get out of the truck and change seats, and she was in the passenger seat when we got pulled out of the mud. Earlier, as I was unhooking his chain, neither of us remember his door opening or anybody leaving his vehicle. It's likely that they magically switched positions. We both had a strong feeling that we lost some fraction of time within a span of 10 minutes. We were happily out of the mud and we followed their truck out of Buck Hill. We trailed the truck for quite some time on Route 46 on our way home before they veered into a side road, losing sight of them through the trees. The whole time we wondered what they were doing there in the forest in the first place and why they guided us out so far out of the forest. We both believe we missed some time yesterday and can't believe how coincidental and how odd their presence was. They barely spoke and his speech felt very calculated. I'm wondering if anybody has had any similar experiences in the dense forest. I feel crazy for even saying this, but I feel like we encountered shape-shifting other worldly beings. I work in food service, front of house, so in the early days of the pandemic, with restaurants closed, I was taking work wherever I could find it. An old friend clued me into a medical office that needed someone to come in and do a bit of light filing. I could go in at night, which would help me limit direct contact with people, so I jumped at the opportunity right away. Ironically, the medical office job had been the safest gig I had been offered thus far, COVID-wise. I wanted to avoid the bus if I could due to crowds, so I decided to swing for a rideshare app. It's not all that expensive in my area, and I didn't want to risk catching the virus. I headed in at almost 3 a.m. because it was after the cleaning crew had left was kicking myself for being so cautious, though, because I was exhausted. I stumbled onto the block looking for my ride, and to my tired self's great relief, the car spotted me almost immediately and pulled up, asking, Uber? While I cluelessly wandered up and down the street searching. The ride took a while, but I'd only just moved here last year, so I'm not familiar with all the surrounding areas and thought nothing of it. I was pretty alert at first, so I tried to pass the time playing games on my phone and stuff, but the car didn't have a compatible phone charger, and I wasn't sure the building would have one, so I wanted to save my battery to call a ride back. I shut my phone down into airplane mode, and eventually drifted off 
from a combination of tiredness and boredom. I don't often take rideshare, so being alone with a strange driver often put me a bit on edge. But this guy had a pretty dull car and a very standard look about him. He looked a little like my brother, young, clean-kept, listening to jazz. Nothing that screamed, you need to micromanage this trip. When we arrived, the driver tried to wake me up by calling me from the front, but I was too deep in sleep and couldn't fully distinguish it from my dream. Finally, he awkwardly jimmied my leg to wake me up and kept saying, Ma'am, ma'am, we're here now. I was embarrassed that I'd been that out of it, so I just gave a hurried thanks and booked it out of the car and into the building. As I looked around, I began to realize nothing was what I had expected of an office park. I had seen a street view of the building when I first looked up the business, and it had appeared to be in a strip mall plaza. The further I went, the more loudly alarm bells were ringing in my gut. The structure was semi-dilapidated, and it was pitch black past the entryway. I expected some lights to be off in the nighttime, but not the entire building. I skittered across the concrete foundation, comprising of what was left of the lobby area, telling myself that they must be renovating, and I followed the signs for the stairs. After what felt like ages, but was likely just a few minutes, all I had passed was construction equipment, a couple of locked doors, and some smashed windows. I was sure I would not find a medical office, and figured maybe I had mixed up the address. I took out my phone to double check, but I could barely get signal once I was out of airplane mode. I kept moving around in the building, pacing, looking for a stronger signal. I eventually confirmed to my text messages that I had entered the correct address by just scrolling back, which didn't require service. Since I had only been inside for a few minutes at most, I figured I should try to reach out to the driver because if I entered the correct address, then it was only fair that he should continue my ride to the correct place and save me the added fees of calling a second trip, considering that this was all his mix-up. The app was taking forever to load with my slow service, but before I could get a cloud of reception, I heard a rustling sound in the lower level of the building. I was on the top floor and the only stairwell I was aware of was the one I had taken up so it would force me into the middle of the building. There was no way to exit the situation without encountering whoever was downstairs. In an abandoned building in the latest hours of the night, I figured the chances were high that it was a tweaker. I had no desire to try slipping past a tweaker, especially when it was late enough that they were probably on something so jumpy and on edge. I tried to text out a group of friends with my address and a request to call 911 to help get me from the property because I didn't feel safe 
walking in that neighborhood at night and didn't have enough reception to call a new ride. But the message wasn't sending. The reception was too weak. So I gave up on getting my phone going and started checking for another stairwell or even a window with balconies or dumpsters that could be used to exit the second floor in the event whoever was downstairs came upstairs. I scrambled over to a door with the stairs sign on it, but the stairs were utterly dilapidated and it was essentially just a straight drop down to the first floor. At that point, the worst case scenario began to unfold. I heard whoever was downstairs start making their way up the stairs. I thought fast and figured, based on my walkabout, the floor was a giant loop. I would have to wait for whoever this was to come up the stairs and then sprint in the opposite direction of wherever they were going. I would then try to get down the stairs and out of the building in time to make it to the road without encountering them. I was not anticipating being chased or anything. Still, I didn't want to piss off a druggie or have a homeless person who might be living there feel as though I'd been trespassing and become hostile towards me or have any sort of interaction that could occur at that hour in an abandoned industrial park. I held my breath for what felt like five minutes, but was likely closer to just 30 seconds, and the person appeared at the top of the stairs. To my great relief, it was just an Uber driver. Figured he had come back for me, realizing he had left me in the wrong spot, a place that could have worked out to be dangerous. So I came out from the beam I was hidden behind and started to wave him down. But then I processed. There was no way for him to realize that this had been the wrong address. My stomach lurched forward. And my blood chilled to slush. I made eye contact with him very briefly and he was completely calm and composed but breathing pretty heavily and blocking the stairwell down. On a typical, rational day as an outside observer, I could think of a dozen innocent reasons he might have returned. But at that moment, standing across from him, I just knew in my gut that this was someone with ill intent. I can't remember much from the ensuing few minutes. Operating solely on muscle memory and instinct, I superman dove for the second stairwell's opening and just let myself fall down the drop. Thankfully, I don't think he'd seen where I'd gone at first, and though I was too much in pain to know it then, plenty was bruised, but nothing was completely broken. I scrambled up and threw myself at anything that seemed like it could be a door was too dark to tell, and I was disoriented from the fall, and wasn't in a calm enough mindset to think to use my phone flashlight. But in hindsight, some part of me probably knew it would call too much attention 
to my location. Just before I reached the door, it flew open with a blinding light beaming straight into my eyes. My first thought, though not totally coherent, was, there's another one of these guys? Ah! And I stumbled backward, trying to find something to hide behind. Before I could, a voice called out. All right, this is the name of the town police department. Everyone get on your knees and put your hands in the air. I didn't believe it was the police at first. I was such in a fight or flight mode and had already committed to flight that I continued looking for ways to get out. But he kept shining the flashlight right at me as I teethered around and yelled, Hey, I sit on the ground right now. Hands up. Hands out where I can see them. He sounded so authoritative that I just automatically did exactly as he asked. He approached me and finally shined the light away from me. It took a second to get my night vision, but I could see he really was a police officer once I did. I tried to explain what was happening, but first, he started asking me all of these questions. He was even asking easy questions too, like, Can you tell me your name? Do you have any knives, needles, or anything that could poke or cut me? Would you rather talk in here or outside? And my total stunned babbling in response at first led him to believe that I was on something. He directed me out to his car, and once I was safely out of the building, I was able to start getting my bearings just a little. I sat on the edge of the backseat of the squad car, with the door open facing out. While he stood across from me, and asked the same questions again. The first thing I can think to ask was, did my friends call you? What did they tell you? And he explained, no, nobody called him. He was patrolling the area and noticed a car sitting outside of the building that's known to be condemned. And nobody's supposed to be inside. And when they are, they're not up to no good. He was launching into a speech about how if I'd gone to shoot up or meet a John, he had resources he could direct me to, and that this was not an ideal place to do either of those things, and asking if I had somewhere safe to stay that night. But I was stuck on something else he'd said. Finally, it all clicked. The car. I spilled my whole rideshare story in frantic word vomit. He looked around, and the car wasn't there anymore. The officer guessed that the guy had driven off while we were talking inside the building. He asked me all of the details I remembered, and I told him, but there weren't many. I'd been too tired when the ride started to track much. But the officer realized that I could pull up my Uber app and get all of the information. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough reception there, even outdoors. So we sped down the road, and once I had enough bars, the app roared to life. And I had four missed notifications from Uber. They said, Hello, I've arrived. And... 
I don't see you. Can you confirm the pickup address is correct? And I am flashing my hazards. And finally, unfortunately, your driver had to cancel? At first, I thought the driver was so cunning as to pick me up while sending these fake messages and canceling so the GPS wouldn't track us, knowing I wouldn't notice because I was asleep with my phone off. But instead, I checked the car details, checked again, and it was not the same driver. The person who'd driven me there had not been my Uber. My driver was somewhere else on the street when this guy pulled up to me. The policeman took my statement and said that they would keep an eye out for the guy, but the best I could give them to go off of was basically young-looking Caucasian man with brown hair, sideburns, goatee, and four-door sedan, wearing a zip-up sweatshirt and maybe had a hood, which is like one out of every four guys in this city. I feel so blessed to have survived this near miss. Suffice to say, I do not take rideshare services anymore. Make sure to quadruple check your license plate and driver name. You just never know. So my stupid brand new water heater broke down from all the calcium and things in the water. So we rented a hotel room so we could all get a shower. My husband and teenage daughters had gone first. While they took their shower, I had already been looking for cameras after watching several shows and reading articles depicting warnings to check had freaked me out. My husband laughed it off, so I thought we were safe. It wasn't until I was actually standing inside the shower that I saw the camera. You had to see it from a certain angle wrapped around the light that had a cover over its bottom, but an opening around the edges in the middle. I looked up and there it was. I screamed loud and my husband came running in. I told him where it was and he checked and sure enough, he took the bottom cover off and the camera fell and was actually wired to the light and point looking down into the shower. My husband ripped it out and marched straight to the office and from there, a fight ensued. The creepy guy got pissed that my husband was destroying his room, and the owner called the cops. Well, my husband is a hothead when he's on a moral mission, and grabbed the guy up from the scruff of the collar. What's spying me and my family, you motherfucker? His mentality being if I'm going to go to jail, I'm going to make sure it's worth it. But the guy's wife comes out, and by then, I was dressed and there for backup and she wanted to know what was happening. So I told her what happened, and she said, wait right there. She grabbed a knife from her room and chased the owner guy around 
when the cops showed up, they asked us what happened first. When we told them, they took the owner in and apparently found hundreds of videos in a private nook in his bedroom that they're using to build a case on him with. So beware to check everywhere before ever undressing in a hotel. Trigger warning, this story involves animal remains. My brother and I worked across the street from a mini storage place. And roughly two years ago, we noticed they had an auction sign out front. We decided to go check it out, so we walked over hoping to find something interesting. If you haven't watched Storage Wars, the way this works is that the auctioneer opens the unit and you are not allowed to enter or touch anything. And you only have a window of about 15 seconds to look around and decide if you want to bid. This unit was small, four by four, and my brother and I quickly noticed a group of five fishing poles amongst the other boxes and bags. We have been talking about buying a few fishing poles and this seemed like a good chance to get a good deal. So we yelled out a low bid and won. Per the auction rules, we had until the end of the day to empty the unit. Being small, this was a two garbage can job. So we got a can and started sorting. It started out promising with finding a neat microscope and a few tools, some standard storage stuff. I pulled out a plastic garbage bag and opened it to find another tied shut garbage bag, which I opened to find another tied shut garbage bag. And since nothing terrifying is ever kept in triple tied bags, I opened it to find the dried mummified remains of a very old and very dry cat. My brother and I just stopped and stared at each other. And since neither of us needed a dried out cat at the moment, we weren't sure how to handle this specific piece of storage unit treasure. We did what we always do when we face something this out of context. We just laughed uncomfortably. <laughs> Until we looked back into the unit and noticed two more tied garbage bags. At the end of the day, we found three bags with parts of or entire cats. We also aren't doctors, but we were pretty sure that there were at least some dog parts in there as well. Granted, saying it was a storage unit full of dead cats would be a bit of an exaggeration but considering that a storage unit generally has no dead cats, I think a small unit with three or four could be regarded as full. As if multiple bags of dead cats weren't bad enough, the creepiest part of the whole thing was finding his or her creepy drawings of cats and a portion of used pink cat food and a water bowl. 
I spoke with the manager of the storage facility and explained my findings, and I asked who owned that unit. Obviously, they couldn't give the name, but when I asked if they were perhaps a veterinarian, the owner laughed and said, (laughs) Definitely not. He also said that helps explain why the person's other abandoned unit that had gone up for auction prior had been full of empty plastic cat carriers.